welcome to the show today, uh, Laura King, my guest. She is daughter of Rodney King, whom all of us would know. She's the founder of the Rodney King Foundation, which advocates for social justice and human rights causes. Um, but I, I, I share just a few things about her, but I want to give her an opportunity in her own words to tell us who she is. Ms. King, can you tell us a little about who you are? Let the people know who you are. <laughs> sure. My name is Laura Danae King, as you stated. Um, my father is the late, great Rodney Glenn King. I'm the middle child. Um, there's actually three of us. I have an older sister and a younger sister. And um, I actually started the foundation prior to my father passing. Um, I used to go to Skid Row and um, feed the homeless like twice a month. And he hated it. He hated that I spent my own money um, doing it. So he encouraged me to start a foundation. And I just didn't want to do all the paperwork and just go through all that. And um, after he passed, I found myself spiraling down mentally, trying to figure out how can I honor him? Um, and I couldn't think of anything. And then it dawned on me like, oh, I could start the foundation. But um, as I as I got into grieving, maybe the second month, I realized that I couldn't do it. I wasn't strong enough. So I stopped everything that had to do with it. Um, even though I still struggle oh, wow. every day, I just did, I, I didn't have the strength. And so um, the past couple of years, literally I'm still grieving every single day, I, I'm still grieving. But I realized that um, in my dad's strength that you know, grieving and just at a standstill wasn't going to take me anywhere. So that's when I started back the past two years or so, just, um, you know, full force, um, feeding the homeless. And of course, of course, COVID uh, prevents that because I have a one-year-old son and a 13-year-old daughter. So I didn't want to take the chance and um, go and then come back and possibly give them something. So I kind of took a break from that. But um I've spoken to tons of teens. I went to my old middle school and did um, the first annual Women's uh, International Day, just about self-esteem and um, the things that I battled with when I was their age and how I got through and um, just encouragement, just, you know, speaking from my heart and being encouraged, encouraging to them, especially nowadays, their pressure is so much different than ours, uh, Yeah, you know, as far as image and media and social media it's like i'm so glad we didn't have social media you know i've said that many times <laughs> i'm so thankful to god like that is a major thing every day you know and that's one of the things that um that even though he was my father i i appreciate it as a person how he handled himself because um my sisters and myself witnessed him every day having to go through you know my thing is just imagine us you know we have we can go out every day and sometimes we don't feel good. Sometimes we're in this mood or that mood. Celebrities are people that have been um, thrown in the limelight. They don't have a choice. And so oftentimes you may catch them on a bad day. You may catch them on a good day. You may catch them mentally broken. And it's like, I, I, I watched my dad, how he handled things every day. And it was like, I couldn't do it. You know, and I would often mm. ask him, how, how do you smile? Like, you know, although the media shows this, it's like, I, I asked myself, how were you ever strong enough to smile or go through so much that people said to him? And it's like, I use that every day that I wake up and do what I do. Um, I, I use his strength because it's like, a lot of people weren't aware of his true strength of who he was as a black man, as a father, as a brother, yeah. you know, all those things. And it's like, who am I not to get up 
and and do the things that I need to do for the sake of him. So that's pretty much it, you know. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. That's, you, you know, I want to come back to something you said. You mentioned Skid Row, mm-hmm. going down to Skid Row and feeding the homeless. Because mm-hmm. um, Skid Row changed me back in 2006. I'd been here four years. I'd just gotten a call to ministry. And I was still a bit selfish. It was still about me. And I remember a group of us were going down to Skid Row to, to serve the homeless. And I was like, nah, I'm cool. Right? Yeah. They, they, they wanted to go every Saturday. And I'm like, nah, I'm not giving up every Saturday to go down to Skid Row, man. And then I went one Saturday and it literally changed my life. Yeah. And I couldn't stop going. I went every, pretty much every Saturday that year to feed the homeless, had friendships and, and just loving on the people down there. What, 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 what made you go to Skid Row to give up your time, your money, your resources? Um, other than, yeah, we see it and yeah. we want to do something. But what inspired you to, to go down to Skid Row? Actually, when I was in, um, since I was a little girl, my dad used to always tell me, like, Miss Save the World kind of thing. But when I was in high school, um, I had a, um, a principal and an English teacher um, and I would go to their house for Bible study on Wednesdays, and they were white and they would welcome, um, they would have Bible studies on Thursday. They would have actually dinner first and then Bible study after, and they welcomed everybody in their home, Thanksgiving, holidays. And um, during this time in high school, I struggled um, because my dad was, you know, in and out of rehab about twice. And my mother was still struggling with her, whatever, everything she was struggling with. So um, I turned to God at a young age when I was 14. So going to their house and seeing them welcome every nationality, every walk to people and really um, walking, you know, walking in the light of their heart and welcoming people. I always thought to myself, well, who am I not to, you know, at least give something of myself if I can't afford two sandwiches. Sometimes I could do 20, sometimes I could do 50. Um, Mm. It just depends on that week. And um, I did soup kitchens with them every Saturday. I did, we went to, we would go to um, convalescent homes and pick a person and push them around for an hour and and just um, conversate with them. And to me, um, I I know what it's like to be without in every way. And so I always told myself when I'm in a position, whether it's a little or a lot, I'm going to do something. So that's why I started doing that. And then I would put on Facebook, this was like 2010, I would put on Facebook, going to Skid Row, anybody want to donate, you know, a loaf of bread, cheese, whatever the case may be. And people would just, you know, some people will help, some people won't. Either way, go, I still would go down there. Um, and then I stopped. Um, I had like one bad inter- encounter. I would take my daughter too. She was young. So I took my sister and she was like, no, I don't want to get out the car. I don't want to do it. So the last, literally the last lunch we had, she's like, I'm going to do it. So she gets out and this guy like cussed her out. He didn't want the food, but you know, he wanted money. And I was like, oh, still to this day, she's 25, but she still remembers that to this day. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. so that's really why I started doing it because I know what it's like to be without. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. That's amazing. I, I think a lot of people, um, and I'm going to come back to the skid row, why I asked you the question about skid row. And I'm glad you're sharing this part of who you are. Um, but I want to ask you another question, and I ask all my guests this question um, so far. Sure. How are you doing during this pandemic with the social unrest, 
election season intensifies so much. Mm -hmm. Racial division, things are coming to the forefront on top of a pandemic and mm -hmm. kind of a quasi quarantine. How are you doing? How are you handling this, this season? I, I say that with a smile. Have you ever looked in the mirror and then just start crying with a smile? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've seen a post today and I said, wow, I can relate to that. That's how it is. Um, by the grace of God, I am grateful. I'm grateful every day I wake up and I, and I give thanks. But then I stopped watching the news actually a year before my dad died. I stopped watching the news 2011. But every once in a while, if I'm at someone's house or if I'm home and I pass and someone's watching it, I'll see something or even social media. It's more bad than good out there. So uh, I say that with a smile is very depressing. Sometimes I'll be honest, it's very depressing because everything is so negative. Um, and some of it is true. Some of it is not true. Sometimes they add extra but they never emphasize on um, the mental state of people. They never get down to the good parts. So it's like, for me, it's like a wave, you know, it's like um, in some in some areas, it helps me focus more. But in other areas, it's like, wow, sometimes you see people's true colors. And it's sad because we shouldn't look at color. We should look at things either black or white. You know what I mean? We shouldn't look at things as the way that it is, it's like we're still here. And it, it's kind of sad um, because at the end of the day, sometimes people are uneducated and they really don't know. And sometimes sometimes people don't want to be educated and they don't really care to know. Yeah. So I, I like to think of it as we're all a part of this big puzzle. And it's like, well, without you, without me, it's incomplete. So if we looked at that, rather than looking at a person like they're fat, skinny, black or white, um, we're missing the whole picture. Whereas if we look at, we're all part of the puzzle, yep. we need it, yep. you know? So it's like, we have more in common than we don't have in common. So to answer your question, I have like mixed signals every day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting you said that um, we're all part of the puzzle. We're all pieces to the puzzle. Um, yes. and, and, and we have to, we have to be able to appreciate the other piece doesn't actually look like my piece. Right, right. Right. And yes. appreciate it and respect that. Um, right. I mean, we can look at it from a, a biblical theological perspective and talk about the human heart and stuff like that. But that's the impact, in my opinion, of race or rate, the invention of race. And we're, li right. we're still living out the legacy. You just said we're still here. I've said that mm -hmm. maybe three or four times when yeah. I I'd said it in a spoken yeah. word poem that I did and I said it in a, in a talk that I did. We're still here. Yeah. And um, part of this podcast is for those who are listening to educate them. Hopefully they become more informed. Those who have been pushing away and I don't want to know. I don't care. Well, hopefully they listen in to what you, you were saying, and what I'm saying um, and, and get informed. Um, you have a unique perspective on the stuff that's been happening this year racially, uh, the racial yeah. unrest, you know, Many of us will look at a George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery, a Breonna Taylor. We'll look at those situations and we see a fellow black man or woman. Or we see a person in another state, another city, what have you, that's been shot and killed, whether by the police or by um, an, a, a, another, just a regular white citizen. But your perspective right. is unique in that when you look on the news, 
almost 30 years ago, it was someone you dearly loved. Yes. It was your father. Yeah. Can you speak to your perspective, seeing an egregious act like this of violence caught on video, mm -hmm. but it's your loved one. It's your dad. It's, it's hitting home. Can you yeah. shed some light on how, do, how does that feel? It's actually like undescribable. Um, it's shattering. And um, like I spoke earlier, I, I was able to find God or God found me <laughs> at an early age. Had I not had that, um, I wouldn't, I, I, I know for sure I wouldn't be sober, sober minded. I wouldn't probably be here today because that's something that I don't wish upon anybody. When that happened to George, I instantly thought about his children. I instantly thought about his, I, I believe she was seven. And that's how old I was when my father was beaten. Uh. But for me, yeah, for me, um, I'm thankful for God's grace because I didn't have to witness my dad, you know, dying. Although when I was watching it, um, I didn't know right off the bat that that was my dad, but I for sure knew that they had killed this man. So for me, um, it's kind of a, a emotional reaction that's really, really hard to grasp and put into words um, for one, for two. Now I feel like now America is forced to um, explain to their children because children talk to each other. So, you know, now they have, they're forced, every nationality is forced to explain this to their children because their children are asking them, you know, a child doesn't know. So they're trying to figure out why would on earth would somebody do this? So to me, um, that gives me a little bit of hope because it's like other people are speaking out, not just African-American people that are affected or not just African-American people that are friends with other nationalities. Actually, people are affected by this. So I feel like there is hope, you know, um, although it's small, I, yeah. I, I do, you know, yeah. but it, uh, it's a struggle every day because it's, um, one of the things that I don't appreciate is when something happens, when someone's beaten to death or whatever, sacrificed everything you can think of, the one thing that they do is um, is break down their character. And some things are true, some things are not, but it doesn't justify taking a life. It doesn't justify taking a life. I don't care what you tell me this man did, this woman did prior to that. You are not God to make that decision of somebody's life. Absolutely. That's just sick to me. So for me, it's very sickening. Every day is very sickening to me. Absolutely. You speak about breaking down character of the victim. Um, that's a pattern throughout history um, that's happened to the black community. They did it right. to Dr. King. Mm -hmm. They did it to um, your father. They mm -hmm. did it to, I mean, you, we can go back. We can go back. We can go back. Right. Tell us about your father. Sure. Tell us about your dad. I, I see yeah. your face just just light <laughs> up when when, yeah. when when I said that. Tell us who 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 is he? Who was he? And what the media didn't cover or didn't know. Yeah, he was a loving, nurturing person. His first um, reaction was always to make everybody around him comfortable um, and well loved, and they and they were very aware of that. And that's one thing I pride myself in because it's like um, your presence is powerful with people and you don't know what people are going through. 
you know, oftentimes we don't share with each other what we're really going through. And it's like, he never did that, you know? And I can imagine like, I always thought about like what he went through and then versus the way that he is with us. It's like, sometimes mentally I would see that, you know, he would, he would check out mentally. And oftentimes they didn't say that, you know, they don't speak about he had over 50 broken bones in his body from his head to his toes. He had permanent brain damage. You know, they don't speak on that, but I would see the effect on that um, when he would engage, but yet he tried to like still be this strong person. And, and um, I could, you know, the, the, now that I'm an adult and I'm a parent, I couldn't imagine living through that and having to be a parent and having to be normal, still live my life and do the daily duties of a mom, um, living that nightmare. I have flashbacks of whoopings, you know, from when I was <laughs> something like that, you know, it's like, I just commend him as a, as a black man, yeah. first of all. Being a black man in America, that's not an easy thing. No. And I say that, and I can say that. Even if it wasn't him, if that didn't happen, just being a black man, period, in America, let alone something like that happen to you, and you are um, forced to be normal, that's crazy to me. And the fact that he smiled more than he didn't smile um, was big to me. Uh, it was really big. And it's just sad that, um, I, that more mental health wasn't um, offered to him. And it's like, yeah, he was expected to be this normal person. And that's impossible. You know, that's impossible. So I just commend him as a father, as a brother, as a, everything he was. He was a forgiving person. And I often battle with that. You know, I'm a pretty forgiving person, but he was a he, he had the heart of gold as far as he had uh, friends of every walk of life you can think of, ex-skinhead, police officers, surfer. He was an advocate swimmer. He was an advocate surfer. He got up in the morning. He joined a surf team. He had a custom made. It was like so much to my dad. Really? He yeah, he took a skiing. Like, I would be like, what the heck? But, you know, things like that, a lot of things that people weren't aware of, you know, he was big on education because at night um, he went to he went to work with my grandfather and then he'd have to late till like two, three in the morning. Then he'd have to go to high school. And it was like he struggled in school because of those things. And it's like none of that was portrayed. Yeah. Um, but the the one thing that i could say that i'm grateful for my daughter was five at the time when he passed and she didn't know the magnitude of who he was she just knew him as grandpa they did art projects you know they made necklaces and after he passed they had a um they had a special on oprah where are they now and i didn't watch it so i waited about a month and a half two months and she came in the living room and saw the pictures of him um after the beating and it broke my heart because i had to explain to her because she recognized him, but then she's like, wait, that looks like grandpa. Why is he on the news? Why is he on the TV? Oh, you know, explain to her who he what, what happened. And then she seen the police. She didn't understand because, you know, kids associate fire department police with great things. So that kind of um, shattered her. And she's 13 now. So now she's able to adjust and still remember who her grandpa was at the core before she had to read you know, read and learn from the media of who they thought he was. So that's one thing that I'm grateful um, at the end of the day that my daughter knew who my father was at the core. Um, but it's a struggle. It's a struggle to um, just every day, you know, you can be anywhere and, and something just, just pop up, you know, and it's like you have to be mentally strong and handle that at that time during a conversation or during something that's showing. And of course, you'd have to go through things on your own 
um, grieving, but it's like, it's a lot to that. But I realized that my dad, as well as a lot of our ancestors went through things to give us the strength that we need today to, to, to push us to make a change. So yeah. speaking of your daughter, um, has she seen the video? Of my father? Yeah. You know what? I've never asked her. I've never asked mm. her um, because it's weird because it's, she's 13 and it's eight years later, but I'm still certain things I'm not strong enough still to this day to talk about yeah. or um, like still to this day. It's weird because I can do all this, but I've never, I've, I think I've watched one interview that my dad did a month after he died to give me strength, but I can't physically watch him like walk and talk um two seconds i think i've done it like two seconds maybe three weeks ago by accident but i'm not strong enough to um to just engage in certain things but things like this i can do it because it gives me strength because you know i feel his spirit pushing me on but as far as like looking at pictures um discussing that video with her because she actually did a report on my dad and she read the whole book and i was like no but it was already too late so it's like crazy i don't know how to explain it because you know she's old enough now to where she's able to read about it and process things but um kids are so innocent you know innocent minded and it's like they're exposed to so much more we didn't we just had encyclopedias yeah. you know <laughs> now it's like anything you want to know well look it up exactly. and it's like I, so i can't shield her yeah. and she at the age where um, I'm very thankful because she's very intelligent. She's very classy. She's very, um, she's, she's not the typical teenager nowadays. And so sometimes when she digs on things about him, I just have to take a deep breath and let her do it because she always comes to her own conclusion and she knows who he is at the core because of their relationship. So it makes me feel better. But in a sense, um, I haven't been able to process actually explaining to her the whole situation if that makes sense no it makes it makes perfect sense it makes and, I, and it's understandable i want to press the pause button right here in our conversation i want to take a quick break and we'll come back after this short psa to continue the conversation you are listening to intersections with phil allen jr the following is a trailer to the documentary short film, Open Wounds. I have a story to tell, a story of pain, of loss, of gain, of cost. The story of trauma, the drama of birth and new birth, lost and found self-worth. Before Emmett Till, there was Nate Allen, my grandfather. His body found face down, floating in the Sampit River, at the hands of a racist pulling a rifle's trigger. In this story, I gave racism a name. I call him Cain, since he rendered my grandfather unable to speak the truth about what happened on that river in the Low Country, home of the Gullah-speaking Geechees that raised me. But the voice of his blood cries out from the earth. And the question is, who's listening? You can view Open Wounds right now at openwoundsdoc.com. 
That's openwoundsdoc.com. Now, let's get back to the conversation. You mentioned our ancestors going through what they went through and us drawing strength from, from them. You also mentioned earlier about wanting to honor your father. And this is something that drives me. I live for two reasons. Two, two reasons. I got three fingers up. Two reasons. <laughs> I live for two reasons right now. Two things drive me. Making my ancestors proud, honoring them with my life. I know. I see your shirt. <laughs> exactly. And inspiring those yeah. who come after me, my nieces, my godson. My grandfather was killed in 1953 um, by a racist right, white man in South Carolina. He was shot in the back of the head. And to this day, his death certificate says accidental drowning. When I grew up, no one in the family ever talked about my grandfather. I just knew that I had a grandfather. No one in that house talked about him. So I found he, finally got enough courage to ask my grandmother about my grandfather. Mm-hmm. Maybe 10, 12 years ago. She passed away four years ago, maybe about 10, 12 years ago, I asked her. And she, her, she just, her body just tensed up. She couldn't even go there. Much yeah. like you were saying, you can't watch interviews, the video, what have you. And I, I don't know if it's not, you're not strong enough. I think you're just wise and you're understanding. You know, you're, you're listening to your body. Yeah, very Which your true. body can and can't handle. But my grandmother couldn't. She couldn't talk about it. You could see it in her body. And so she carried this with her 60 years wow. to her grave. She finally talked about it a, less than a year before she died. She finally talked about my grandfather for the first time. So my book, I draw as much as I can from that conversation to write a whole book and do a documentary film about my grandfather's um, death. But I I bring that up because um, drawing from what you what you said and, and, and thinking about my grandmother. I know this is emotionally stimulating for you based on what you shared, the videos of George Floyd and Arbery and all the stuff that's going on. How do you navigate that? How do you navigate not just the stuff around your father, but the stuff that's happening from Trayvon to uh, Eric Garner, Michael Brown, Alton Sterling, Philando Castillo. I mean, we can go on. Breonna Taylor, the the news of that. Um, We could go on and on. Yeah. How do you, how do you navigate that? Because I think there are people who are going to listen to this. They're traumatized and they don't sit in the position that you sit in where it hit yeah. that close to home. But they're traumatized. It's video, unending cycle of violence towards African-Americans. It seems like it never stops. And we have a whole generation now that's coming up in this era of social media. That's They're being shaped by this. Right. How do you navigate that? How do you um, encourage younger folks, younger generation to navigate it? especially while you're still grieving? You know, I've heard self-care all the time. I hear that, self-care, self-care. But COVID, 
I think we all have really learned to, I call it reset. And I, and I, and I encourage everybody, it's okay to say no with a smile. It's okay. You have to, because if you don't, if you don't reset, you're going to reset emotionally, physically, every, because you don't realize literally I'm 36. Sometimes, you know, because I give so much of myself and so much is going on in the world. And it's like, ah, that sometimes you can feel yourself like, am I having a nervous breakdown? So you have to check out. If you don't check out and check in for yourself, you're going to check out. Literally, Absolutely. you're going to expire because yes. it's so much. We go through so much. Life in itself is not easy. You know, a lot of us are very optimistic, but the truth is it's not easy. You know, uh, smiling every day or interacting. Sometimes you just don't feel like it, but you have to. And especially even before COVID, now COVID and then all these videos, it's like, oh my gosh. But I encourage you, I encourage you to, read on things from let's say even what from the 60s read on things that they went through in the 60s and then put yourself in that position now and think about the things they went through you know we're we're blessed to be able to read and write and engage and even make eye contact with other nationalities so give yourself hope and use that to drive you to push yourself forward. Every day is not gonna be easy. Some days you're not gonna feel like doing anything and that's okay, that's normal. Even though it doesn't seem normal cause you should be doing something. But yeah. at the same time, if you're able to walk and talk even in your home to regroup today, that's okay. Encourage yourself, you know, cause oftentimes we're all going through things and sometimes we, we don't speak life into people. So you have to learn to speak life into yourself because if you don't, the life will leave especially with everything going on it is very easy to spiral down and not realize it like that is so big so i encourage everybody to if you can you know i i work out that's my go-to and i haven't been able to work out prior to um march i wasn't able to work out for a few months and i realized i was losing my mind that's <laughs> what it was i wasn't able to work out you know and then quarantine happened and i was like able to buy all this stuff for the house, buy stuff for the um, patio. And then our gym opened back up in my complex. And then I realized that having all my interviews, I was, I still went back down. You know, the valleys of life are like super deep. And if you don't realize it, you'll spiral down. So I encourage you to take five minutes, 10 minutes, do a case study on yourself, take five minutes. And then mm. the next 10 minutes, you know, take 20 minutes, give yourself that because you know, if you're married, you're in a relationship or whatever the case may be, you give that person that time. So you need to give that to yourself. You have to, because if you don't, you're not being fair. You're not being fair and you're you're halfing yourself to give to the world. And then you're no good to yourself. And if we're no good to ourselves, we can't be good to everybody else. So it's the cycle of life. It's the cycle of life. But I encourage it. And, and for those of us that that are selfless, it's not a selfish thing to take time out for yourself. And when I say that, I mean, read something of encouragement, even if it's five minutes a day, even if it's one line, something that speaks life back into you, because otherwise you will spiral down. And I'm only speaking from experience yeah, <laughs> so it's okay to tell the kids, Hey, give me a second. You know, that's okay. Because again, if you're not a hundred percent, you're not going to be a hundred percent with anything you do. Wow. Wow. You, you've echoed some things I've been trying to share with people over the last uh, couple of years, actually, the self-care piece, that reset. You said a lot of things that I've, that I've been trying to get people to 
to, to, to say uh, or to do um, reset. Yeah. Inventory. Yeah. You know, um, my, my thing is running. I've been running like a maniac. I never <laughs> thought I could run until yeah, the last 18 but, months. And yep. now that's my, that's part of my self-care. Um, yeah. You watch enough on the news, you can go into a certain place mentally. So for yeah. me, I had to find a sanctuary. Yes, you do. Not just the Sunday church and, but I needed a sanctuary. So running became a sanctuary and people don't realize when you're in this, this, this battle, especially a social justice battle, it can wear on you. Mm -hmm. And when you tell people to read something, speak life, um, encouragement, because not everyone's doing that for you, here's what you're doing. And I, I'm glad you said that because I learned this recently to ask this question, what else is true? When you're going through it, something's weighing on you. Yeah. What else is true? And you have to speak that what else is true back into your own life. That's very true. Especially yeah, when true. you don't have someone, you know, that's going to respond when you call or, 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 or text back when you text. You have to be able to have those resources to, to, to draw from what else yeah. is true. So I'm glad, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you I said like that. I like to call it my secret place. It's secret a gospel place. song. One of the, in the gospel song, that's what they say, my secret place. But it's so true because um, I've learned those during the dark hours is when you find out who you are at the core and um, and who you really are with God and what what you mean to him. If you allow that moment. But if you don't and you just allow the world to like weigh you down, you're going to weigh you down. But sometimes we do weigh down and that's when we draw strength. You know, in this generation, um, I wouldn't say that they're detached from God, but it's so much that pulls them away that they don't. Um, A lot of distractions. You know, our ancestors brought us like for me personally, my father was Je he was Jehovah's Witness. He was raised Jehovah's Witness. He was never baptized. But um, I found God on my own because I didn't have anything else. And that's something that I carried with me. But to everybody, it doesn't matter your walk of life. You could be Buddha, Allah, whatever. As long as you're not killing anybody and you have the domino effect to make somebody else greater, better with your flaws or without your flaws or with your testimony, so be it. And I, I encourage it. And this generation, it's hard because a lot of that, they don't see that as much or, you know, whatever the case may be. But I just encourage anybody, whatever it is, Find that and dig deep and go to your secret place. Check out for a minute. And even if it's five minutes a day, set your timer. You know, if you if your ADHD won't let you do it, set your timer and it's okay. And every day you'd be surprised how much further every week. You know, I'm only saying that because I did that with myself. I I did a case study. I YouTube Denzel Washington, Maya Angelou, Les Brown, and I would listen to it 10 minutes a day. Then the next week, 20 minutes a day. Then I would find myself listening to it all day. And those are the things that speak life into you. And pretty soon those voices become your voices and, and so on. So I just encourage everybody. It's free. You can do it. It's free. <laughs> it's free. Whatever your you, you is go to it and, and um, check into that because it's, if not, you're going to find yourself deteriorating mentally yeah. and you don't even realize it, you know, and, and the people around us, you know, we have an effect on them and they have an effect on us. You guys may be in the same boat and you'd never discuss it because sometimes it's like, um, it's a thing 
to not express what you're going through. Yeah. So that's very important to check out and check into yourself and find your secret place and spend time there and dwell there. Because like I said, otherwise you will spiral down. Absolutely. So yeah. Yeah. You know, the, this, this podcast is intersections and the intersection is race, culture, and theology. So you said something, I want to bring the theology, um, sure. take this opportunity to bring some theology in there. If Jesus were here today, Jesus would have a Mount of Olive to go to. Like I got, I got to go. Yeah. I got to, I got I got to check out for a second. Yeah. As was his custom scripture says, he would right. go away to a mountain yeah. by himself or maybe with his disciples, not far from him, but oftentimes by himself, it was a habit to check out because he was always giving of himself, always healing, always speaking. And he was human. He was hundred percent God, but hundred percent human. Right. Right. So he mm -hmm. would, go to that secret place, that sanctuary, if you will, that sacred space, and he would be with the Father. And that principle, even if you're not a, a believer, if you're not a Christian, the principle alone right. is the self-care that's needed. Now, I right. would highly suggest getting away and nurturing that relationship with Jesus. I'm a Christian. Right. But if you're not a Christian, the principle alone of pulling away from the distractions, away from social media, away from CNN, Fox, or whatever your thing is, that may be bringing that, that's, that, that heaviness to you all day, every day. Right. And taking care of yourself, as you said, because you won't be good, to, good for anybody else. Yeah. You know? And it's not a selfish thing. And it's not. And sometimes, you know, we're like, they'll beg and like, uh, and you're like, well, gotta really no matter what take that time for yourself don't don't use up your time for somebody else's time because that's your time and you need that to replenish otherwise you're gonna go to e <laughs> exactly exactly so so you shared a lot earlier about you know when you talked about skid row and your your miss save the world uh, your father said said to you i think you said yeah when i was little when you were little kind of changed as i got older like eh. But for the most part, <laughs> so so you're you're not a superhero anymore. Well, you know what? <laughs> I, me wants to say, uh, yeah, but in actuality, sometimes I've learned to put myself first. Um, you know, and I and I battle with that because I'm a mom of two now, and you know I have a black son, so it's really personal for me now. And he's only one, and he's innocent, you know. And I I have thoughts of when he turns twelve, will he be the next Tamar Rice? And that's sad to me because he's innocent. You know, when I, in my era, kids play with guns all the time with a little orange tip. You know, we play with boys' guns. You know, that was normal. Get it from the ice cream truck. The fact that, you know, he was in a park and he died from that. And I look at my son every single day and it just breaks my heart. You know, yep. it really does. I couldn't imagine being a mom going through that. I, I just couldn't. You know, I live in Orange County and and I couldn't imagine my son going to buy some M&Ms or Skittles with a hoodie on because it's raining and he and he don't make it back home. I can't uh, mentally, I can't emotionally process that still. It, it's hard for me to process. And he's an innocent child. Okay, I know plenty of kids that 
tried weed. I don't encourage it, but that doesn't mean he's a, he's still a kid at the core yeah. of who he is. That has nothing to do with him dying. That doesn't justify you're not God to take that child's life. So exactly. I'm just at a place to where it's like, I'm a little struggling <laughs> yeah. trying to process it all. Yeah. But, but, you know, as you struggle, you're still doing the work. You mm-hmm. mentioned the foundation. I want to transition just a bit Sure. To the the Rodney King found, uh, Foundation. Sure. Tell us about because we talked before and you started to list all the things that you were doing, and I'm just like, wow, she she she's on it. The, the foundation is on it, doing a lot of work. And I know you want to honor your father's name, your father's legacy. Tell us about the foundation. Um, you mentioned earlier about what what got it started. But what do you do? What's the mission? What's the goal? What's the aim? You know what? Um, and this is like off topic, but this is from my heart. My mission is to is to use, to be empty of myself when I leave here. And every idea that I have to make other people feel good, to make um, the world mesh together, mush together, I want to I wanna just throw it out there. And my dad once told me, if you do everything you want to do, one of them will work, you know, and I believe that that's true. If you do everything that your heart desires, something's going to pull off because that's your purpose. You know, I like to say we all have fingerprint, you know, nobody has this in the world. Nobody has this. And to me, that's powerful. And if we all work together with our, our, whatever we're given, you know, cause we all have talents that other people can't possess, you know, they don't have. So if we work together, like, hey, brainstorm, you'd be surprised, you know, like like when you're in school and you have a project to do, everybody has that, each person has a job that each of us can't do. Imagine if we lived in a world and we worked together. Like I have hope, I have hope that using my hurt, my struggle, my pain, my tears, my joy, um, I could make the world a better place just by my testimony. And people are like, you have a platform. I really don't. I really don't. We all do. God, out of all the people in the world, he picked us. So we all have a platform. So I'm just trying to use um, whatever it is everybody think I have while I'm here, you know, and 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 that's to uh, bring light to African-American men with the I Am King Scholarship. It's basically to fund a day of fathers so that they can spend quality time with their kids and not worry about paying a bill or, you know, do I take from rent or, you know, whatever the case may be. We also do backpack drives, toy drives, Christmas drives. Um, I've spoken at my old middle school. Um, What else? Prison reform, community relations. Um, I've done activities with the LAPD which, you know, that was a big struggle for me because that, that was about three years ago. And then um, they put in the media, like Rodney King's daughter worked with police. And it was like, it was a little depressing because they didn't get to the core of what we discussed, yeah. nor did they talk about anything, you know? So um, I went through a little weekend of like, oh, and you know, I would read the the things that people would say. And it's like, oh, I bet she's getting this much. And it's like, I'm not really getting that much money for what I do. I'm I, actually, I'm not getting, you know, I hate to put it out there, but I'm struggling yeah. to be honest, but it's yeah. from my heart, you know, it's from my heart and I want to make the world a better place because uh, I, I just feel like we could live in a world where we could get along 
but if we could be equal, if we could be seen as equal, I think we could, but until then I'm going to yeah. keep doing what I have to do to make it a better place. Wow. I want to encourage, take this time to encourage people to support and visit the website, rodneyking.org. Um, I want to encourage people to consider donating and providing a scholarship for someone for the I Am King initiative. I know when you first shared it with me, that's something that I plan on doing is getting involved. Um, fatherhood is, is a big deal for me. I think there are more people with father wounds mm -hmm. than, we, than we are willing to admit. Yeah. Very and true. rather than condemning dads and rather than bashing men right. you, you're taking the steps towards trying to bring some healing and uplifting and encouraging them to be in their lives and it affects our community more than any other community and we can right. talk about social structures we can talk about systems historically that have caused these issues but this is where we are so i'm glad you're taking those the, 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 you're doing this work and i want to i want to partner with you and, and, and support in, in any way that I can. That That's something, again, when I say it's it's something dear to me, that's part of my story, you know, my father issue, which stems from him not having his father because of violence, taking away right. his dad. So so I'm, I was raised by a man who didn't have a man right. to, raise, yeah. to raise him, right? Yeah. And so how many of these young black boys are in those situations? So count right. me in, I'm okay. saying it, Live right here. Count me in as someone who's going to um, to partner with you in that. And, and I'm going to encourage people again, RodneyKing.org. Support, donate. Get on there. When you hear this, you have no excuses now, you know. And support <laughs> RodneyKing.org. I was reading an article that you uh, you did an interview in recently. I think it was Black Enterprise Magazine. And this, this surprised me. It actually kind of pissed me off a little bit. <laughs> but you, you mentioned in the article that the video, the camera that was used to record what happened to your dad is being auctioned for quite a bit of money. And you yeah. had a different suggestion. Now, first of all, can you, sh can you, can you share with us is this like, an, are there any other instances where people are, have been co-opting, appropriating your pain for some type of gain, some type of financial gain or something? And, and then share with us what you think should have happened with the camera. You know what's crazy? Um, it does, it happens quite often. I was really surprised um, that they asked me, did I have anything to say about it? I was like, you know, egotistically, I wanted to like think from this way, think, but then my pride was like thinking from this way, thinking from that way. But um, I, I declined the offer, but I thought like, um, what do you want? I, I didn't, I, I'm like, what did they expect me to say? That was like psychotic for me. Like you want me to, to speak on literally the camera that videotaped my dad struggling for his life begging for his life i don't have anything to say the only thing that i am i'm still grateful to god that he didn't die that night but a huge yeah. part of him died that night 
And people don't realize that, you know, my dad was never the same person after that night. And yet you expect me to speak about something that uh, I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for the video and I'm grateful for the camera, but his kids aren't benefiting. We're not benefiting anything from the sale of that. My foundation's not black boys, black girls, nobody that I, that um, is dear to me is benefiting from it. So I don't really have anything to say on that. So it was like a slap in the face. I felt like that's really how I felt. And that's with everything. It's like, oftentimes people use my dad's everything. And it's like, um, it's a little hurtful because it's like, you don't, you're not considerate. And so that's where we got to dig deep and be strong in who you are at the core. Otherwise, you know, it's a, it's a major blow you take. <laughs> yeah. And, and you, you had a suggestion for what you think they should have done with that. What was your, with the camera, what, what, what was your suggestion? I mean, my suggestion and even my attorney suggested it as well first. Um, and they should give, at least a portion of the proceeds to the Rodney King Foundation. I don't see why you wouldn't, you know, yeah. I would just think that's proper etiquette. But then again, what do I know? It's a lot of things that happen in uh, Hollywood and in, you know, the industry that I'm blown away by. Yeah. But you, but you mentioned, you mentioned something else in, in there that I thought was, was, was brilliant. And, and what they should do was the camera should go to, a museum. Oh, yes. Absolutely. I think that would be not just not just the camera because it was an event. But I think that's another way of honoring your father's name and legacy, rather than appropriating for some financial gain. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's major. I think that's a major thing that they should do that. You know, Um, I don't see why they wouldn't do that. But then again, what do I know? Because it's going to be, it's going to get the same platform. It's going to be in somebody's house displayed. So why not put it in a place where um, it's an emotional attachment with other items? Yep. Yep. One more, one more thing. Sure, no problem. Take your time. Because <laughs> I want you to be able to, you mentioned the phrase, speak life. Mm-hmm. So I want you to be able to speak life over those list, those people may be listening to this podcast, especially if there's any young kids listening, I want you to be able to speak life. I also want you to be able to share what you, if there's anything you need for the Rodney King Foundation, I want to give you that opportunity as well. But moving forward, what would you want to see happen? And I'm talking about in response to the racial unrest that we're experiencing what do you want to see happen? What do you think needs to see? I think you said some things earlier, but just as a closing, what do you think needs to happen? What do you want to see happen moving forward from the, even if it's something small or something major that needs to happen? I think, um, I think their whole structure as far as the all police departments need to be reconstructed okay. uh, because they've been using the same system and obviously that system's not working. It's not working for everybody, not just some. It's not working for everybody. Um, I think that they need to be mentally evaluated more often, uh, not just when they're sworn in, because you become a different person after being exposed to the world as a police officer. And I get that. And that's the part of me that is human. Um, I know that they're, um, you know, the way that they're trained is to 
profile. They'll, they won't admit it. Um, and I hope I don't get in trouble for saying that, but it's true. It's they, true. Uh, it's true. You won't get they, in trouble. They're, they're, <laughs> they're trained to profile. And to me, that, that's not fair. You know, um, it's, it's not fair at all because there's things that happen in Beverly Hills that are illegal. Um, Absolutely. You know, if you see a black person cruising through Beverly Hills, um, it, it's like, who are you to say, what are they doing there? How do you know they don't have, they don't own property there? It's like, everybody's passing judgment. They need to break down the barriers, start over on reconstruction, do mental evaluations often. And if somebody's not fit to do the job, they need to be um, not put on administrative paid leave, but they need to really see a therapist because we all need therapists, whether it's your religion, whether whatever the case may be, we all need someone to talk to. We all need someone to express to, especially their job is not easy. I, yeah. I'll say a minute, I couldn't do it. I know yeah. that I can't do it. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I do think it needs to be totally um wiped out and redone uh, so that yeah. they're uh, they also need to be trained on cultural awareness cultural um, understanding certain things and they need to be trained on oftentimes a lot of us and i speak for myself and i've never been arrested but um we have a uh, a reaction to the police to where sometimes we do things that are not out of the norm because it's a fear you know flight or flight you know, because you know what's to come or you're scared of what's to come. So your reaction is not of the norm. So they need to be trained properly. You know, certain things are going to naturally happen. That doesn't mean that we're a threat. That means that we may feel threatened. So therefore, our body language may um, come out differently. That doesn't mean that a person, that doesn't mean that, you know, you're an authority. So you don't have a, a right to take someone's life based off of you feeling threatened well what about us you know there's people that have a license to carry a gun they're not shooting the police because they feel threatened so i think that whole thing needs to be reconstructed and done over um because i do have hope i have friends that are police officers and they're great people but yeah. there's like three of them compared to <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean it's like one bad apple well they kind of mess it up so it's like yeah yeah wipe it out and then restart over um who cares what it costs because it's costing people's lives and to Absolutely. me you know they made a statement a, a few months back saying um the looting and the and the uh, burning down is a state of emergency but what about people's lives that's not a state of emergency mm. that's that's a part that i don't get so i think that we need to just reconstruct the whole every department not just lapd because this is a ripple effect this is a domino effect you know um they need to understand that black men and women are not pinatas they shouldn't be taken to this station and shown off oh look look what i that's humiliating you yeah. know that that is psychotic so the mental training is a must that's like a big deal to me i wow. think that oftentimes people are not the same people sworn in after a couple of months, let alone years, can you imagine a person not being evaluated and like they're a completely different person? That's yeah. crazy to me. Yeah. And the fact that people are not taking this serious is even sick to me. You know, you, you won't get in trouble because I'm I've I'm having conversations with with police off with law enforcement, and these are some of the things that they're saying too. That these are some of the things that need to change, that need to happen. 
from the very beginning of the process all the way through, just as you just shared. So thank you for sharing that. Um, lastly, speak life. Yes. Speak life. Whatever, whatever you want to share, speak life over us. I encourage everyone to, um, and this is a habit, you know, we all have habits that we have to relearn. So, um, before you like uh, someone, just take a deep breath and learn something positive. Say something positive. Say something to make someone smile. Be genuine. Be genuine who you are at the core because, of course, we're all flawed and we all are, you know, we battle with our egos and pride and all these things. But, you know, think about how you feel on the days where you don't feel up to it. Now, imagine if, if you knew someone felt like that. But we don't know because everybody wears this smile. So it's like I encourage you to be... Um, supported mentally emotionally it's not a weakness to to say you know what today i'm struggling that's not a weakness and if somebody is expressing to you that's a big deal it's hard to express how you're feeling so if somebody's saying hey you know what i'm struggling today there's so many things we can do and it doesn't have to do it doesn't have anything to do with financially take a walk hey let's take the person around some ducks or whatever the case may be find something to help them because you never know you may be the person to change their life you may be the person to save their life because we're all struggling so i just encourage you every day is not going to be sunshine and roses you know i like saying when people ask me um how you doing today i say i'm unstoppable and that doesn't mean it's all happy go lucky that means some days i struggle and i feel like i'm moving slow i feel like i am sluggish because my mental processes uh, i'm i struggle you know but then i think i can't stop so whether it's even if i just decide to lay here write down your goals okay what can i execute today by just sitting here even if it's a positive mental um encouragement to myself over and over again, it's still moving forward. Whereas if I'm just sitting here and moping, that's not going to get me anywhere, you know? So I just tell everybody, speak life. Whatever your speak life is, do that. Wow. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so no, much. Thank you for having me. No, thanks Thank for having you. me. And let me, let me speak life over you. You just, what you just shared about I'm unstoppable today. Um, someone gave me some language for that. Elaine Milakaras, she, she says, chase the resilience. You're yeah. not saying, you're not saying that everything is all roses today. You're saying I'm chasing the resilience. There's resilience in me. That's why I'm unstoppable. I may need help today, tomorrow. I may need someone to talk to, but I'm going to chase the resilience that's, that's, that's in me, you're that God good. has put in me. So keep chasing the resilience. Thank you. Keep so being you. <laughs> Thank you. Our paths will cross. I promise. I promise you. Um, I, I want to be involved, especially with I am King Scholarship. You you have my word on that. Those of you who are listening, one more time, RodneyKing.org. I want you to. I want to encourage each of you to go to the website, figure out a way where you can support, where you can help, where you can be engaged. And if you're not engaged, this is an opportunity for you to be. All right. Ms. King. Thank you for having me. Thank you me. again. God bless you. Likewise. Enjoy the rest of your day. Likewise. Thank you so much. I love that shirt. Every time I see it, I'm like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I want to take a moment before I close to remind all of you of my book, Open Wounds, that is now on Amazon, available for pre-order in the Kindle edition. 
The hard copy will be available for pre-order soon, and I'll be sure to update you as soon as possible when that is available. Thank you for listening and hanging out with me at the intersections.